Yeah, last week, the testimony of Blaine, right? And we called it, what, testimony of redemption, the message. It was very, like, different, right? You know, you don't come to suburban America and basically talk the way he talked. And he basically just kept it very transparent, very open, that, hey, this is what life is, you know. And it was beautiful. So I, I stayed on that testimony, really. Just for me, a testimony was so important because, you know, when we got saved, we were, our testimony began, right? We, we basically, each of us came from a different background, came from different things, and suddenly we got saved, and that was our testimony. And then everybody told, okay, you have to have your testimony, you give your testimony. And most of you in the room, I may or may not know your testimony of how you got saved. But when I basically, like, okay, you got to understand me. I basically stay on a, a thing and I just wa- wonder. Like, I'm a student of wonder, I guess. <laughs> you know, a lot of people, like, have these notes and they'll refer to books and all that. I do that, but in general, I'm a student of wonder. I said, God, hey, like, you know, amaze me. Wonder, like, I, I'm just wondering, is like, what, what testimony do I tell them? Do I tell them my testimony? Like, you know, and so I started with that. And I will tell you a little bit about myself, but in everybody's life, you have to go back and look at your testimony. You see, because when the first time we met Jesus was technically not the first time we met him or he came and knocked on our heart. Do you, do you understand this? For everybody in this room, I don't know whether you're saved, unsaved, but the first time we, Jesus came and knocked on our heart, mm, we, some of us basically didn't even realize he was there. He was knocking on a heart. You thought, I'm just here for another service, or this guy's just praying, you know. And then he came another time. And then we were like, hmm, okay. I think this makes sense. Oh, it's beginning to make sense. Let me come a few more times, right? Some people go many times to church. And then it's not about the church. It's about the person of Jesus, right? And the Holy Spirit just knocks the heart. And he basically says, hey, the first time we allow, open our hearts, that door of our heart a little bit, and we allow the river of God to come in, or the Holy Spirit to come in, right? And suddenly, the dams of our heart just burst open. What we don't realize is why that becomes such a memorable time, because there's a lack of who God is in our life. We are hungry, we are thirsty, and we had never, ever thought that we were that hungry or thirsty. We were very satisfied in our lifestyle. We were very satisfied in our living, whatever we were living as. And suddenly this river comes in, and that first drink of his love becomes so powerful that for the rest of our days, we remember the moment we got saved. But that was just the first drink. You see, in your testimony, what you do is you basically stop there. But there's another drink. There's another thing that God does. And, you know, so it's very funny. So I just stayed over there, and I was like, okay. So, and then you, when Pastor Lena said about, you know, my job, right? So she, when she was referring to Sabata, the geologist, that's me. And you, I went and I checked my LinkedIn profile. My LinkedIn profile said November 
2015 is when I lost my job. And I remember the date, I think it was 14th or the 15th of November. So literally seven days, seven years to the date. Seven years to the date. When God basically brings things like this, I, so, so this is where I will go. I'm not going to get to this part of it. First, let me go back to the first part of my life, right? So I got saved in Kuwait, right? And I, it was, I was born Catholic, right? So being a Catholic, we were going to an evangelical church just to listen to the messages because the word of God was what we wanted, right? So we, I hid behind the baptism pool when the altar call was made. I'm all about altar calls, but when it came to me, it was that funny. I just thought of it. I tell you all that, you know. It's, I don't think even my parents know about it, but I hid behind this baptism pool in Kuwait while everybody is walking down, you know, going in and getting saved and all, and I wept and I cried. I didn't want anyone to see because I had to be cool, you know. I had to be cool, right? Because I had resisted God a lot. All these people had tried to get me saved, and I was like, mm, we're good. But that moment I knew, it was like, hey, you know. And so even the way I got uh, baptized was very funny. A friend came home, and he goes, I'm going to do this baptism class. And out of the blue, I said, yes, I'll go too. And my mom and dad were like, what? You want to go? I was like, yeah. And then that, that's what began the story. But, but in that whole thing, it was just like me feeling that I need something. I need something. There was that lack. I don't know how to explain it. There was no hope. There was nothing. You know, I was trained geologist, but I was basically living as an illegal immigrant in Kuwait. I was promised a job. The person who took my papers disappeared, and we never seen him for like months. There was an amnesty in Kuwait at that period of time, I think, this November, December 2003. No, 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 97, 97. And in the amnesty, basically, if they see you and you run, they shoot you. They don't have time to basically run, arrest you, take you, put you on a plane. They'll say one ticket and, you know, just shoot you and be, be done. And somehow, in those moments and those times, God, I, I don't know how I became fearless. I sat in a car, the cops, not cops, the military basically guys were checking the cars. They came, they knocked, and you had a civil ID, and you had to present your civil ID, right? The driver, the guy next to him, my mom, all gave their civil IDs, and they just looked at me, and then they just tapped the car, and they said, go. And that automatically gave me hope that, hey, God's on my side that I can do this. Because my heart was not, I want to go to church. My heart was not, no. In those days, we never had online church and also, that's a different story. <laughs> but for me, it was like, I wanted to go, didn't matter, night service. We didn't have a car. So anybody who was going to church, take me, right? So if I, I, I was the kind of person who basically would go to any, you could name it, speakers, I listen to every kind of speaker, every denomination. That's why I have no, what do you say? I, I don't know. Non-denominational sounds just funny to me, but it is what I am in a sense, but I'm hardcore Pentecostal. <laughs> so there has to be a new denomination called non-denominational Pentecostal. 
<laughs> we rolled on, we, okay, we didn't have carpet in our church. We had tile. In the desert, when you are, there's tile. We, we literally met in a tent, okay? And we rolled on that, and when we hit the floor, we hit real hard. So you knew if Jesus didn't catch you or Jesus didn't take you down, you're going to the hospital, your nut is cracked, you're done. Like, you know? So, and oh my God, we, they had like these little mats. I don't even know what. In Asia, you'll see a lot of these little mats. They'd put that so that people, you know, would feel at least a little, what do you say, not cold, right, when they go down. But in those times, one morning, I heard my dad call me and he said, Sabata, Grace. And I was wondering why, my, my, my mom's name is Grace. And he said, Sabata, Grace. So I went and knocked his door, I said, hey, what happened? Like I heard an audible, loud voice. And he said, I didn't call you. I went back to sleep. Second time again, I heard Sabata Grace. And so I went and knocked. Because like, it, it was an urgent call. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not like how I'm saying. It was like Sabata Grace, right? You know, that kind of thing. And again, I knocked. And it was in my dad's voice, which is very funny. And I understood at that moment I didn't need a third time. God was basically saying Grace to me. He was saying Sabata Grace, grace, grace. My life has been that of grace. Your testimony that we have is because of his grace. Anything we did didn't matter, really. It was just his grace that basically came and met us where we were and then lured us in with his love. That's the beauty of Jesus' love. If there's one thing you hear tonight, is all that I have to say is the testimony of Jesus. You know, and when we say testimony of Jesus, we say it's the spirit of prophecy. How many of you like to prophesy? Yeah, the Bible says, desire that you prophesy, right? So when you think of this testimony of Jesus, hmm, yeah. So I went to look at the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the only reason I went back to look at the Ark of the Covenant because it's called the Ark of Testimony. Do you, do you know that? Exodus 25. Exodus 25, that's what it's called, where Jesus is talking about, like, you know, how to build the tabernacle and all. And then he talks about the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant is made with acacia wood, or some people call it shittim, shittim wood, right? Some okay King James Version, maybe shittim wood, because that's what I grew up with. But acacia is the family of trees where this wood is. So this wood is basically incorruptible. This wood, it does not rot, it does not like, you know, get spoiled. So that was the whole reason to build it. And the idea about this wood was they built this box. It was basically talking about Jesus. Jesus came in humanity, in man, but there was nothing incorruptible in him, right? He, he made sure, I think it's Psalm 16, that his Holy One sees no corruption, right? There was no corruption in Jesus. This box, was then wrapped with gold, right? It was covered with gold. So the wood was the humanity of Jesus. The gold was the divinity of God. That basically was the whole foundation of this Ark of the Covenant, Jesus. In all this, when I started, I wanted to give you all such an awesome message, 
that you all feel like, you know, you all are strong and you all can go and you all can do whatever you want. But everything came back to this one person, Jesus. I could spin it anyway and it still pointed to Jesus. I could tell you a million beautiful things and I could still just see Jesus. So the whole thing about your testimony, the spirit of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Everything prophesies about Jesus. Your life prophesies about Jesus. Living, sleeping, eating, doing anything you want, everything is about Jesus. In every indication of your life, that's who you are. So we basically look back at the ark, and then on the top of the ark, they put the mercy seat, right? So the mercy seat is like a cover on top of the box. But before you put the mercy seat on, what was in the Ark of the Covenant? In the Ark of the Covenant was the tablets, right? The tablets, which is the law, was put in that. And then the next thing was the manna. Manna, which was, they basically put in, a, I think, a gold jar and was put in. And then the third thing was Aaron's rod, okay? So first, the law was put in. In our hearts also, sometimes, not sometimes, we have to constantly feed ourselves with the law. We need the word. We need the word. The manna, which is in gold, is basically Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. Right? What suddenly we're feasting on is on a daily basis, because manna was a daily thing. You basically had to feed on the word of God on a daily basis. You had to have it. Third thing was the rod of Aaron, right? The rod of Aaron was basically saying redemption, like resurrection life. Doesn't matter where you are right now, like how they were saying. Doesn't matter what you see, what you feel, what you think, how dead, how rotten it is. Your heart has to always have that resurrection life in the midst of it. Just that little. Just that little. Because the blooming is not about you. That's from God. You just have to lay your rod down and let resurrection come. Jesus died and he had resurrection. So in the same box, you had Jesus, who was man and God, who basically was, what do you call it? The, he died and gave us resurrection, was the bread of life, and was the law. In the old, he was the law. Now, what's funny is on top of that, you put the box, the cover, the mercy seat. The mercy seat was where the blood was poured out. Once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the blood was of, in those days, the lamb or whatever, was poured out. Jesus died, and he shed his blood that was poured out onto that. Right? It was poured onto that. Now, if you go back, I think it's uh, Revelation 12, 11. I think, yeah. The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And they overcame and conquered him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. For they did not love their life and renounce their faith. Or, and renounce their faith even when faced with death. So that's all it's saying, right? So when I read that, right, in my heart it was like, hey, I can encourage the people and say the word of your testimony and the blood of the Lamb, that's it. We need your testimony and we need the blood. The blood is there, now we need your testimony. And in essence, 
what is your testimony sometimes may not be in accordance to what God wants. Because what we are doing is we are spinning our testimony or we are creating it to make it sound scriptural enough, but it is not. Go, if you go back to the ark, right, does your testimony carry the resurrection life of God? Does your testimony say, I was once this and I got saved of that? You see? But this is, even, this is not even the high point of it. This is just the basis of it. You needed Jesus. Jesus as a man. You needed Jesus as God in your life. You needed the law. You needed the living bread. You needed the resurrection life of Jesus. You needed all that. And then you needed to understand the mercy seat. Because that mercy seat was where Jesus' blood was poured out. You see? Now, which is very funny, because you think, okay, okay, I'm getting it. My testimony sounds like this. I once was this. I got saved. This is where I am. I believe that I'm going to, you know, I can raise the dead. I, I, like, I was dead, and once I was dead, and now I'm risen back again by baptism. And for some reason, if you go back to Exodus, I think, 25, let's see. It's to the end of what I gave you, Dan, 20 or 19. You shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony which I give you. Okay? Whatever testimony God gives you. And so what, what did he give them to put in the ark? He gave them the rod, he gave them the manna, and he gave them the tablets. Okay? There I will meet with you from above the mercy seat. Okay? Now, this is what God basically wants you to know. I, I could basically start off this morning with telling you God's going to speak to each and every one of you. And I wouldn't be wrong. Because your testimony, where the blood is, the blood speaks a better word over you. Right? What is the word that the blood speaks over you? Mercy. It's not the voice of Cain or Abel seeking justice, you know. But God is basically constantly speaking mercy over your life. Doesn't matter what you have done. Doesn't matter what yesterday looked like. Doesn't matter what today looked like before you came to church. What is God speaking over your life? He's speaking a better word. That word constantly is mercy because of the blood of Jesus. The blood, when it is on the Ark of the Covenant is basically where the glory comes. Out of that glory, God speaks to us. You see, now why, you, why we need the glory in the church? Why we need the glory in our lives? We think of glory as a one-off event. That, hey, Thanksgiving is here, let's go eat turkey. No, 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 no. The glory of God is a constant reminder because of the blood of Jesus it is possible we can walk in that glory we can hear him in that glory this morning God wants to know that he has to be exalted I just heard this one word I want to be exalted so right now right now in this moment knowing very well oh God that you want to be exalted oh God each one of us oh God in this place oh God exalt you oh God you are high and lifted up, O oh God. We just exalt you, beautiful Jesus. 
the darling of heaven, O oh God, we just exalt you, O oh God. And we just say, O oh God, you are amazing, O oh God. That, Lord, because of you, O oh God, our lives have changed, O oh God. But, Lord, because we never even tried, O oh God, but you had thoughts for us, O oh God. You had thousands and thousands over thousands of thoughts for our life, O oh God. And in one moment, O oh God, when nothing made sense to us, O oh God, that you still came in, O oh God. And we just thank you and we exalt you. May our lives, O oh God, be lived, O oh God, exalting you on a daily basis, O oh God.